welcome back to a new episode of Becoming a Single Mother podcast. I am your host and my name is Gregoria Higgs. If it's your first time hearing my voice, if it's your first time just tuning into an episode, if you are new here, go ahead and subscribe via whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast on, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Anchor, whichever you use, go ahead and subscribe so you'd be notified every single time I have a brand new episode, which happens to be every Monday. If you are a returning listener, welcome back and thank you once again for tuning in. I really appreciate you. Today's episode is entitled, Here We Go Again. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. In August of 2017, I officially moved into my own place and went back to coping with all of the recent events that had taken place in my life and focusing on the arrival of my child. Things went smoothly and were slowly coming together like I wanted it to. My bills were paid on time and I never lacked for anything, all thanks to God, my family, and the persons that God placed in my life at that time. I broke the news to my employer, however, that I was expecting when I was six months pregnant, which was sometime in August. They were shocked and excited because I never seemed to be pregnant according to them and I was still working hard, showing no signs of fatigue or sickness. I decided to continue working straight up until my 40-week mark. My baby was due on November 8, 2017. So I took two months off from my maternity leave. In this way, I would be able to recover and my daughter would be old enough to enroll in daycare. So October 31st, I made my last appearance at work. On November 6th, My mom flew all the way from the Bahamas to be with me, which really meant a lot to me because given the circumstances and my current situation, I really had no moral support. So I know that she would be coming to stay with me for a month. That was quite a relief because I knew that everything would go well. My mother is a nurse and she's a woman who doesn't play when it comes to prayer. Her presence helped ease my worries a lot. On November 6, 2017, I went to the airport to pick up my mom and I was so excited. She came with open arms bearing gifts and hugs. And I wish I can replay that moment all over again. On our way to, um, on our way home, we went for lunch and we stopped at the premium outlets where she was shopping for the arrival of my baby. It was at this moment reality set in and I was now becoming excited that any day now, my baby girl would arrive. To be completely honest with you, prior to this day, I was not ready at all. It was terrifying to think that very soon, I would be in a hospital giving birth to a baby human. My mom came and erased those feelings. She was like a breath of fresh air. The next day, which was November 7th, 2017, I awoke to breakfast in bed and my mom doing my laundry. I never had this done for me before, so it was like, wow, I felt like a queen, literally. Only God knows how I would have managed if she was unable to make it. I remember that my church was having a conference that evening, so I told my mom, Hey, I want to go to church and spend my last moments, you know, given that I would be having a baby the next day. So she agreed 
Later, we ate dinner, got dressed, and headed to church. During the service, I got a phone call. I answered, and it was my doctor. My heart dropped because I wasn't sure what was happening. She wanted me to come in that night to be induced. But I said, no ma'am, I think not. I'm currently in a church service and I'm feeling just fine. I doubt my baby's leaving ready to come out. She said, okay, fine, Miss Higgs. Well, can you come in tomorrow? I almost forgot I was in church because I felt pressured and rushed and I didn't want to say the wrong thing. So I told her that I will call her back once the service is over. So we ended the call and I carried on with my night. I didn't live far from the church, so on our way back home, I told my mom what was going on and what was the phone call about. So we spoke about it. She said, well, let's just go in the morning and see what happens. If they induce you, they can get your contractions going. Because at that moment, I was experiencing no pains or no signs of labor. So anyway, I called my doctor back and confirmed that I would be there at 6 a.m. Once that was confirmed, I put my last items in my hospital bag, packed my mama bag, and all the necessities we needed for a three-night stay. My mom packed food and I reminded her that I can't eat. She said, well, duh, this is for me. So I was like, okay. Once we got all of that out of the way and rested, we got up at 5 a.m., showered, got dressed. I grabbed me a smoothie because I know I probably most likely won't be able to eat, so I grabbed me a smoothie before going to the hospital. November 8, 2017 is now here, and it is the big day. I am nervous as hell. There are still no signs of pain or labor, and I'm like, man, they're gonna make my baby mad today. And that is exactly what happened. I got there and went upstairs where the labor and delivery unit was located to be admitted. They took me to my room and had me undress and hooked me up on the bed. Everything happened so fast, I had no time to breathe. My doctor did her check and like I said before, I had no signs of labor and I was barely one centimeter dilated. So I'm about to share with you, without cutting any corners, my personal experience with childbirth. Bear in mind that this is not to scare anyone who is currently expecting or deter anyone who is planning to have a child soon. So here we go. During natural labor, oxytocin is released from your brain into your body, which sends signals to your uterus to contract and dilate the cervix. If this doesn't happen naturally, medical intervention may be necessary. So I'm just kind of giving you a background um, of the induction process for me. Pitocin is administered through an IV at certain dosages. So this thing can go from zero to 100 really quick. It doesn't waste no time. It gradually increases until the uterine contractions are strong enough to fully dilate the cervix. So like I said, I was only like one centimeter dilated. I needed to get to at least about eight centimeters, I would say, to begin that process of labor. My doctor said that she would give me six to eight hours to hopefully let labor start on its own, which would have been 3 p.m. for me. Like I said, I got to the um, 
to the hospital. I wasn't fully hooked up until like after 7, 8. So it would have ran me up to 3 p.m. If it didn't, she said that she would give me the pitocin to begin the contractions. And this is when the induction process would begin. I did everything I could while at the hospital to get the contraction started. My birth plan was not to have any meds involved. It was just a natural process I wanted personally. I bounced up and down on a therapy ball, walked up and down the hallways. I was even willing to do jumping jacks and stand on my head if it would work, but there was no helping it. So about eight hours later, they started the IV with Pitocin. At this point, I'm, you know, I'm disappointed because my body is really not, it's not doing it naturally. I'm guessing my body is not ready, but it was not doing anything. I was not feeling any pain. No matter what I did, it was still the same. So I wasn't prepared to be induced because I was having a healthy pregnancy, like I said earlier, and there were no signs of labor. Also, my amniotic sac water bag had not burst yet. Therefore, I wasn't researching induction techniques or risk because I didn't know I would have needed to go through it. So um, I would warn you ladies, not warn, but just like give you a heads up to educate yourself before you go into all of this Um, because I was not educated. So I was met with a big shock of my life. I did not have a great experience and I'm going to be totally open and honest. I I did not have a great experience at all with um, the induction of my first child. I did have a healthy baby though. So that's all that mattered to me. However, I still wanted to share my experience with the things that I wish I had known. But I feel like it's important to educate yourself. Like I say, educate yourself before things start so you're most aware of what's happening to your body and the issues that may arise. My mom being with me gave me some reassurance that she ain't gonna just sit there and let the doctors do what they do without her asking questions. So I felt, you know, at ease a bit. So once they begin to administer the bitocin through an IV, you won't be able to eat again. If you're lucky, you will deliver your baby quickly and that won't be a problem. However, some women are in labor for being induced for 20 plus hours and can't eat the entire time. So in my case, I was in labor for about 17 hours. I couldn't eat. The contractions induced with medical intervention lead to stronger and more painful contractions versus naturally occurring contractions. This was my first baby, so I had nothing else to compare the pain to. The contractions were very painful, but I just assumed that they were all the same. Although it's not guaranteed that you will need an epidural when you are induced, my doctor advised that I should get it before I really experienced how bad the contractions can get. So I'm like, mommy, you better start praying in here because this wasn't my plan. I don't want to get an epidural. I don't even want to be here to be um, get induced. I want to experience the whole water bag bursting and, you know, contractions and everything. So I was hoping for a med-free birth and was kind of annoyed that my doctor told me that I would, um, I should definitely get the epidural. So I held off as long as I could because this is something I really wanted to do. 
So I held up as long as I could. But you guys, she was right. Contractions are almost intolerable without pain meds. In my experience, the amount of Pitocin that went into my body through the IV was increased at specific increments to intensify the contractions and make sure they would get my body ready. Me personally, during menstruation, um, I don't have cramps or anything. The most I, <laughs> the most cramp I ever felt was a gas cramp and that hurt. So this, experiencing this was a new thing for my body. So once I had the epidural, I, it seemed like the doctor put it up to full blast to quicken the time it would take because I couldn't feel anything. And mind you, they had to do this twice. They had to stick this epidural up in me twice because the first time I was moving too much, at that point I was angry and I was just frustrated because this is not what I wanted. So everyone's telling me to keep still. I'm like, don't tell me to keep still. You know, so my mom is there trying to calm me down. And she was the only one who could have calmed me down at that moment. So the second time they sticked it in and it was no problem. But um, the major problem was that I couldn't use the restroom and I couldn't eat, of course. But my mind wasn't even on food at that time because I'm ready to get this baby out. Y'all already start me on the wrong foot. <laughs> I'm ready to get my baby out. So to help with this, um, the issue with the restroom and stuff, they pushed the bladder catheter inside of me. Now, this bladder catheter would idly not be placed until after the epidural is working well. So in order for them to tell that the epidural was working, they kept tapping my foot and doing everything they can to my lower body to make sure that I, I wasn't feeling anything. So once they noticed I wasn't feeling anything, they pushed it inside of me. The epidural prevented me from feeling the insertion of the catheter. While putting in a catheter isn't terribly painful, it is uncomfortable particularly when you're also having contractions. So I was having contractions at the same time. Due to the high amount of Pitocin, I was experiencing very intense contractions that were occurring much quicker than normal. Instead of happening every three to five minutes, they were occurring on top of each other. I couldn't feel it at all because I had an epidural. So I was dependent on the nurses and doctors to monitor the, um, the contractions on the screen to make sure everything was progressing normally. Since contractions are actually just as intense for the baby as they are for the mom, the baby can experience some trauma as well. Typically, they get a three minute break to relax, but my baby was not getting that, leading to a decreased heart rate. During labor, my baby's heart rate began to fall, which was a really scary experience for me. So the last time my nurse came in to check my cervix for the dilation pro um, process, I was still at, I was only at two centimeters. That's the most I got, two centimeters. After all that pain, all the meds they put inside my IV to, you know, increase my contractions, it was nothing. It was like I went through all of that for nothing. So the last time she came in, she checked, she burst my water bag. And I don't think it was on purpose, but I think it was just the force. So 
that made everything worse. Everything just turned upside down. My mind went blur. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm beyond angry. So my baby's heart rate just dropped. It began dropping. Uh, the doctors and nurses, I remember them running in and out of the room to figure out what was wrong and how to fix it. I'm like, y'all better figure out something. Figure out something. My mom is in the corner. I'm like, y'all better save my child. Make sure nothing happened to my child. <laughs> and I'm like, oh gosh, this is about to be long. I didn't know exactly what was going on at this point and was nervous that something bad could happen to my baby. When you're induced, you are artificially making your body do something that it may not be ready to do. So at this time, my body wasn't ready for that. Um, if you have been in labor for a long time, let's say 15 to 20 plus hours, your doctor may recommend a C-section to get the baby out fast. Since they've already begun the process of inducing, the baby must come out one way or the other, right? And that's when a C-section would be done. So in my case, those six to eight hours of labor turned into 17, almost 17 hours and even then it was weird coming into this hospital with no contractions no water breaking no labor symptoms to now lying down on the operating table awake it was surreal they gave me the epidural so i couldn't feel anything but i still felt the tugging going on inside of me i remember my teeth shattering and not being able to stop shaking because it was very cold they put a certain right um they put the curtain right at my chest and while I appreciate that, it made me nervous not knowing what was going on. Although I was awake, I couldn't see what was going on. There were lots of pulling and tugging, like I said, and then I was just, it was just one giant push on my belly. It felt like someone had jumped on it and my six pound, seven ounce baby girl popped out at 11.54 p.m. November 8th, 2017. And that was the easy part. I can remember asking if that was my baby and looking over to the left at my mom's face. She and I was crying, we were crying. The next 24 hours were pure torture. Recovering from a surgery while trying to be consistent with breastfeeding took me out. My body felt like my guts had just been ripped out and thrown back in at random. Getting out of the hospital bed to use the bathroom was an hour long process. Just sitting up in the bed to get ready to stand up took a lot of determination. There were lots of blood clots during my showers. I had to walk holding two pillows against my stomach to mask the pain. Laughing hurts, rolling over hurts, sleeping hurts, and oh, don't let me get started on sneezing. One of the most annoying parts was trying to sleep, to sleep comfortably. Because as I'm off dozing into, you know, a nice sweet sleep, the doctors and nurses were running in my room, in and out doing checks, in and out bringing um, formula for my baby. So three days later, I was cleared and discharged, thank you Jesus, from the hospital to go home. I was exhausted and ready to get into my own bed with my privacy. Everything was great. My baby was healthy and beautiful. I could not have been any less than grateful for the outcome. This is the moment when everything now became serious and the flashback started again. 
the postpartum depression started and it wasted no time. My mom and a friend were down my throat about how my baby's father needed to be responsible and the whole nine yards. This was ridiculous. At the time, I didn't want anything to do with him given our previous encounters. And I was actually right, um, I was trying to move on. So my mom was basically like, the hell with that. He can't be out here living life with a whole child existing. So I had him blocked and my friend texted him and broke the news to him that I had the baby and congratulations. He didn't text her back, but he instantly called me on WhatsApp because he couldn't get through my calling um, by calling my phone number. I am like, oh boy, here we go again. So anyway, I answered, placed it on speaker so my mom could hear and he was basically shocked that I still went through with it and was asking if it is true. He even video called me for proof. I'm like, dude, for real? So anyway, to cut a long story short, he is now back in my life at this point and things took off from there. What happened next? Stay tuned for part seven titled The Return. I remember single mothers that you are strong. We take on the duties of both parents. It may not be the life we wanted or asked for. It may be challenging at times, but we do what we must to ensure the happiness and well-being of our children. And in the end, it's all worth it. When you stare into their beautiful face and they smile at you, it melts your troubles and gives you the strength to move forward. Be blessed.